Hey everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valuri and in this episode I have my friend Andre Pelaez David on the show. I think this was one of the most interesting conversations I've had so far on the podcast purely because we went beyond just the craft and we spoke quite in depth about the internal struggles and battles that artists go through to create the kind of work that they do and there are so many good takeaways in terms of how to have the right mindset and approach while creating and carving out your career especially at an early stage where things can be a bit uncertain and we also spoke quite a bit in depth about how coming from countries where the industry may not be that established as some of the major hubs how that can become a positive as well as a negative effect on your career path and what you can do to tackle those situations so i hope you stick around for the episode it's a long one but there are so many good takeaways from it so i hope you will enjoy it and let's go yeah we're going now so once again andre thanks for having come on the show it's been i guess two years or two and a half years since we've been talking to each other via instagram mostly and yeah it's been great to see the progress in your work over the years because when i look at your work the one thing that comes across to me is consistency like on and on specifically that hard surface and vehicle design spaceship design that yeah. you keep working on so i think that's a good place to just start off with we'll come back to how you got into the industry in a while but sure sure yeah thanks Thanks for having me man. Um I must admit like I was feeling a little bit of the pressure to be here because like you've had great guests so far and I enjoyed so much like the way that it talk about the industry. And we always have that fear of like what can I contribute with, you know? And but it's interesting that you touched already touched on what I think it's one of the most important things that people could take away which is consistency and not necessarily only consistency about the subject matter. because i've experimented with other things other than hard surface mm-hmm. but um you could see, like it's just never stopping right that's the thing i think especially instagram which is my my most popular social media i think mm-hmm. it's where you can see that what i consider the secret is never stopping and like always making time for for this it would be easy to to just uh find excuses you know i was in college i had like a proper career set up and, and you had to right you came from architecture like if you yeah. wanted to do like the easy path something that was already there for you you could but i don't think that's how it works in the creative industry yeah it's it's quite cool especially because now you can kind of look back on the work that you've done for so many years it's quite evident to see the way your work has developed and i know you've spoken about this in your own podcast as well on lightshare how you can essentially track your own progress over the years so i think it requires some sort of confidence as well to put your work out there at such an early stage so how did that come across to you because a lot of people may be intimidated early on right uh well okay so the confidence issue it's it was something that i was working on even before working on art specifically i was a very shy kid and even teenager and towards the end of high school years i decided that i would like just change that about myself you know i i wasn't happy about being too shy not creating connections with people not being able to talk with strangers to like spe- 
of course, like I was a boy, so especially with girls, I was even like more shy. So I did what I always did in my life. I went to the internet and I looked up like how to to be like less shy, you know, <laughs> how to be more confident, how to. And looking back at it, it's kind of a stupid thing to to do, right? Because you're so naive and you think that people can help you. But um, that approach kind of led me through a path of self-discovery and to to find tools that make you confident about yourself. And I think that when I came to the realization that I wanted to do art for a living, that was already something that was very well established, like within me. So I, dude, yeah, those drawings are ugly as hell. You know, like when I look back to my Instagram, I'm ashamed that I did some of them, you know. But at the same time, um, there are people out there that also are at that level. And if they only see like amazing stuff, how they how can they relate to other people, you know? I'm, I met like a lot of pro professional artists that were kind of like there for me because they saw that I was like struggling and I was not good. And not that I am right now, but I was like not at a professional level. And they were there just because they were encouraging, you know, everyone remembers when they are not that good. Like you probably remember the first drawings that you did that were probably... Absolutely. I've been saving up my drawings for, I think, 12 years at this point. So I have a very large collection of my own progress. Yeah, man. Let me, if you don't mind, how old are you? Uh, Because that's something that I would... I'm 27. Oh, yeah. So we're basically the same age. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, man. So 12 years, it's pretty much an amazing long time, right? Yeah, I have some of when I was a kid because I had the period of like when you're a kid, you were drawing all the time. And then I kind of stopped during a certain period and I came back when I was older. So I have those like early childhood drawings, mm-hmm. but then like a blank period where I did nothing because I thought I would go to like STEM science and stuff like that. And yeah. That's interesting you mentioned that because even my own, let's say, art progress stopped for a while when I was studying architecture because the focus there was more about design and construction. So the artistic exploration kind of toned down and then it was only towards the latter half of the course where I brought back painting and stuff like that. So there are some parallels in the way our journey has progressed, I suppose. Well, um, it's a logical pathway, right? To If someone who's artistically inclined early on to go through um, either architecture or even engineering, because they to me, the idea was always creating stuff. And if you think about it, engineers are people that create stuff in the real world, you know. So the only difference to me is that it turns out that creating it in the real world was not as appealing to me. So, um, or like the technicalities kind of uh, separate people who really want to do that for those who are basically like are not up to the challenge of learning those, those skills. But... I don't see much difference. If you look at people that um, some of the arts that kind of inspire me, they are very much related to industrial design and things that approach more real life than the entertainment side of things, which you, to be honest with you, it's been kind of a, a challenge to like learn how to merge the two things together, like to bridge what, um, how much realism, how much entertainment you put into something. It's quite a, a fascinating um, journey to experiment with what you can get away with and yeah how much you can 
play with things. Yeah, I think that reflects in the kind of work that you do as well, because especially the kind of drawings and sketches you do, it's quite obviously inspired by the industrial design style of drawing. And so I can see the the way you're experimenting and exploring ideas before committing to any particular design. So that mindset and the approach to drawing as well, I'm sure helps you quite a bit while working on entertainment products. Um, yeah, like the thing about sketching is that I think I get caught up too much, you know. I tend to do like way too many sketches for each project. I was posting like a, a project that I did on ArtStation the other day. And it was for a single design and I did like a hundred sketches just for that single design, trying to explore and find the direction, right? And that would never work on a professional environment. Like you, you would not have the time to do that kind of exploration. But yeah, I like, I like that step actually. Yeah, I want to ex explore a bit more on that topic actually. That's an interesting point that you bring up. In a professional setup, you obviously may not have that kind of time to experiment that much because of the deadlines. So do you think it's, what do you think is a more natural approach? Because I've heard a lot of other professionals talk about the fact that they don't want to spend too much time on doing a lot of iterations and they'd rather maybe do 10 really well thought out designs rather than just exploring. But then there's a good counterpoint as well where they just want to essentially experiment with form at an early stage. So. Why do you think people deviate into to those two different pathways while experimenting? Yeah, that's actually a great question. Uh, I think that what's appealing to some people is the is the visuals, like the um, the accurate paintings, the like beautiful uh, renderings and things like that. And when you when you want to produce that kind of painting all the time for your portfolio, I think it's easier to. Um, dismiss with the iterative process right and I, and I understand that most of them are not like completely dismissing it but I think they bring too much of the work environment to to the personal experience because if I want to do like a personal piece to me the most important thing is the design right and if there if I'm creating variations and I haven't like decided on something yet I will not stop like just because, oh, it's time to stop creating those iterations. I don't have a fixed time for those personal projects because I want to produce the best design that I can. And of course, that after you were done with that project, you kind of like look back and see a bunch of mistakes that were made. But knowing that I'm putting the most amount of effort that I can, not in the single image, not in the rendering, not in the painting, but on the design of my subject matter, I think um, that's what gives me peace. And maybe f to those people that um, want to quickly produce um, finished works, maybe what's important to them is that the design is like 80% there and that the image is 100% there. Because I don't think that the quality of my final renderings are like that great, right? But I do think that the designs are quite strong and well thought out. And if anyone would ask like things about that design, I would be able to answer technicalities about it, how it would work, how it would, um, especially for the vehicles, right? How it would land, how it would work, how the door is open, how the person gets in, gets out, why like certain cutout, certain um, cuts are made on the shape. And I think in our industry, when you are working professionally, that's not something that you have that much time to do. 
So I kind of um, fill, fill up that need of myself to explain things in my own personal work. And then I leave the quickly iterated iterative process quickly to a final design to the professional environment where it is actually like necessary. And it's not that it's not my money on the table making the shots, you know, calling the shots. So I, I have a fixed amount of time and I will do my work to the best of my ability in that time. But to personal work, I think it's a completely different beast, you know. Do you put yourself under pressure when you do your personal work or is it more of a joyful and relaxed process? Can't, can it be both? <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, I don't put a lot of pressure in the time, like how fast I am. Although, like, I also don't don't like to be just fiddling around the shapes all the time. I want the decisions to be actually important, right? If I'm spending time on something, I want it to have an impact on the end product. But the pressure is more related to quality than to... Um, to actually like how much time I've spent on it. I was watching a tutorial from Mike Nash, right? And we all know that he passed away. So like, I I just wanted to briefly touch on the subject, but it's like a 10 hour tutorial on a piece that he took like, I don't know how much long, like it, it was probably like a couple of weeks on the, a single design. And he, he talked about it because it's something that I always think about that I'm slow and then I need to go faster. And that like, what's the balance? Because everyone seems to be so productive and so prolific. But if you create a design that is actually good and that can live on your portfolio for like the rest of your life, right? That already brings a lot more value than something that you would quickly do, quickly finish. And two years from now, we will take that away from your portfolio because it's not up to the standards anymore. So, and look, uh, I actually apply what I'm saying, you know, like there are some drawings on my portfolio that are quite old and that they are there for a specific reason. But I, I look at them, even though the design is not quite there, there, there are mistakes, I can still see value in them. And that's why I keep them there as opposite to people that like quickly delete stuff. That's a pretty profound thought for sure. Firstly, yeah, I mean... Rest in peace, Mike Nash. I mean, his work has been a pretty big inspiration to a lot of people. And that quality definitely exemplifies. I mean, yeah, it's it's still a very tough subject to talk about for me. But that quality that is there in his work will definitely live on for a very long time. And that clearly shows that speed is not the most essential thing all the time there are instances where it is quite important but there are a lot of other factors that go into what a good design or a good thought out idea is essentially yeah it's it, to me it's a shame that speed is so much the focus on nowadays i think that we are in a in-between kind of stage because the tools are getting faster right, to produce a good end result. So I think we are at that tipping point, or at least close to it, where the technical aspect of creating a beautiful image will not be the hurdle anymore. So the reason why we are like getting faster and faster is because people can do things that they took a long time to do, like which was rendering and painting. 
way faster. And now they want the design process to be that fast. But I think that when you are able to produce like a finished rendered piece in the same time that you do a sketch, right? Like a, a five or 10 minute sketch. When that actually gets more popular and people, because I know that people can do that, but it's not everyone and it's not out there all the time. But if you can communicate it clearly with a beautiful image, a cool design fast, like that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm getting into 3D, into VR, into that kind of thing. Because then you can actually focus on the design mm -hmm. and the tools will provide you with a nice image at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, right? that's I think that's the true. power of 3D. And yeah, I mean, just the latest episode that Jan and Emmanuel had done as well was essentially about the aspect of speed. And I thought that was a pretty good conversation as well, touching upon the very same aspect. And that actually kind of got me thinking about the art career as a whole as well, because um, we seem to be in a hurry, at least quite a few of us, me included, to get better at a very fast pace and get to a higher position as well. It's not just about doing a painting quickly, but it's also about getting those bigger projects much quicker or getting to a much better place in our career much quicker. I mean, do you is that something that you struggle with as well? Uh, well... <laughs> You're making me think right here, but um, yeah, I really like their their podcast, that episode. You know, if people want to watch, I highly recommend it. Talking about speed, and I really think that taking it slow and thinking about long term, it's way more important because, well, at the end of the day, man, like we will live probably roughly up until we are eighty years old, like. We, we still have at least 50 years ahead of us, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Why are you so rushed to, and not you specifically, but why are people so rushed to get to the end of it? And I understand, like, you want to achieve your goals and that kind of motivation, it's extremely important. And having goals, it's extremely important. But realizing that some things take time and enjoying your time, like, while you are on the journey, I think it's also very important. And... To, to the mental health subject, it's like, to me, it's way more healthy to approach it in a way that, okay, I have my goals. And as long as I'm working on it, I'm not like being lazy. I'm not uh, postponing things. As long as I'm working on it and I understand that it will take some time, no matter how much effort I put into it, I should be okay with myself. And the speed thing is not like that you can't be fast, you know, or you can't be goal-oriented. It's just that if that's affecting you in a negative way, if that's affecting your work in a way that you are producing things with less quality just because you want to be fast, you just... If that's not being naturally uh, growing in you, it, like you are becoming faster because you are making decisions faster, you are getting better at what you do, then I think that's the wrong thing to focus. Um, I was reading... I am reading this book called Mastery, Mm -hmm. And it's very popular amongst us. And I don't know if you've read it. The Robert like, Green, I mean, the one by Robert Green. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm kind of in the middle of it. And there's a chapter about, um, I think it's called Finding a Mentor or Mentorship or something like that, right? And there was this concept of apprenticeship that existed before where a person would kind of submit their work to a already professional to for about like seven years in order to like uh, learn this the trade and then be able to go on but that was a fixed period of time it was seven years right mm -hmm. 
So if I look back at my career, I never got out of that point. You know, like I, I've been doing this for like five, almost six years now. And I feel like I'm just starting on the apprenticeship period of it because oh. I'm now getting more more in touch with people that are actually um, way more experienced than I am. And that can, even if they are not teaching you in a, like holding your hand, you know, you, you take care of your learning process yourself, but being able to recognize that I'm still very early on in my career, it's, it brings such a peace of mind to me because I don't have that pressure of, I need to be amazing right now. Mm, right. That, that's a very I'm good capable, point. Uh, I, sorry to cut you off, but I just, no, uh, no yeah, I, I've noticed one thing where there's this almost glory that can be attained by being like a 21 year old senior concept artist, so to speak, or any artist. And a lot of people want to get to that point. And it's natural to feel that way because of course you get a lot of recognition if you attain something of that kind of mastery at such a younger age. But what you touched upon is quite important where you've recognized where you are in your own personal journey. And the moment you make peace with that pace that you're growing at, then it'll become much easier for you to progress. Yeah, and also like I started at 21, right? Mm -hmm. How would I be as a 20 year old senior? So it doesn't even make any sense. It was not a possibility like out of this out of the start. So and also I've tried a couple of things before this. So I understood that if you take some hits in your life, you kind of approach the next goal as something like more with your feet on the ground and being realistic about it. And yeah. Look, man, it's people don't really like this this kind of content of like, hey, I'm happy, even though I'm not like perfect yet. But I think more people should talk about it. You should you should listen to those twenty year old amazing people because the chances are that they started very very early on, yeah, and they made a lot of like good decisions that you can learn from. But the learning process it's pretty much the same give or take to, to everyone. It's, it's just like um, a matter of where you start and how you approach the learning process. And look, man, there's no expiring date to, to starting things. You know, like I was talking with um, Adrian and Dom about this. I think it was on the last episode, you know, it seems like there is this concept of when you were turn 30, you like, you die for society. You're not useful anymore in your direction. Like... If, if you haven't achieved something by the age of 25 or 30, you're a useless, useless piece of shit. And dude, it, it couldn't be more wrong, you know? Like imagine that you had to, to do that apprenticeship kind of thing. So it's seven years, right? And you went to school. So you start that at the age of, I don't know, 17 or 16. You are already in your early 20s by the time that you finish that and that you start your career properly. And then for you to start your career and then become what I would consider a master or something, someone that has like a lot of value to give to the industry, dude, I would give at least 10 to 15 years. Like my plan is to be, to consider myself decent or good by the age of 50 or something. Oh, I, I love the fact that you're thinking at such large scale timelines. I, that's something that I like doing as well. So I really... I find it interesting when I converse with other people who are thinking along those timescales as well. 
Yeah, I mean, you have you gotta have some certain life goals, right? I don't know which are yours. Um, to me, it's important to have a family. To me, it's important to live in a nice place, um, to have he real human connections, to be healthy, right? So if I were just focusing on art all the time without thinking about that, I would dismiss every other aspect of my life, become extremely one-dimensional, and I would become an amazing artist like way faster probably. Hmm. But that's, a, that's not the end goal. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. The one-dimensional aspect of being a very, very great artist, but essentially not being able to develop in other aspects of your life. It's a tricky thing, right? Because when you look at some true geniuses across various industries, you can't help but feel intimidated almost by the sheer brilliance of their work, no matter what field it may be. But then there are negative aspects that come along with that as well. And yeah, it's a hard thing to understand, I guess. I, I guess it's, it's the sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. What you have to sacrifice in order to make things work. And that was actually the decision the the realization that made me dive back into concept art not back dive into concept art um go, going back a little bit about like how i started right i was in college and i met i think i told you this before but i was i met this teacher i was studying marketing and i met this teacher he was a marketing consultant and he was like making awesome money out of it he was a very important person in the marketing industry and I went to talk to him. I was kind of like decided at that point that I would become a marketing consultant as well. And I already knew a couple of things about digital art and it interested me. But I was like, okay, this will be my hobby and I will be mainly like doing marketing and advertising. And I learned that this teacher of mine that I really admired, he painted on his side. Like he... He used to go out on the weekends to paint on like real canvases and everything. And I looked at one of his paintings and it was awesome. Like it was really beautiful, you know. I think that he could be a professional artist if he wanted to. And then I realized like, dude, I'm I'm putting so much effort into being in advertising and marketing, right? But then like this guy that is there already, he also does painting on the side and if I'm going to put this amount of effort to also keep something on the side that I really wanted to do, I might as well just put the immense amount of effort into what I actually want to do instead of like keeping it as a hobby. Everything that you are going to do will require a lot of effort. It, it doesn't matter what it is, you know. Um, I mean, if you don't care at all about quality and if you don't care at all about your life and if you don't want to have a good life, yeah, that might be easier. But if you want to produce something of value to society, it will be hard, man. It's hard to be competent in any field. And you see that all around, you know. If you go to a store to buy clothes and you find some like um, sales representative that is actually good at his job, you, you're kind of like amazed, uh, like, oh my God, this, this person is like giving me such a nice treatment and he's doing uh, his job so well. If everyone thought about their jobs this way, like wouldn't society be better? Like if a waitress serves you like kindly and worries about you having a good experience, if everyone around would do that and they don't do because it's hard, right? It yeah, would be hard if you... That's, it's, it's, I think there are two reasons. One is because it's hard, definitely. And 
a lot of people are not lucky enough to end up in the industry that they may want to be in like i guess we would consider ourselves lucky that we are able to provide a living for ourselves doing what we want to do and a lot of people are unable to do that for whatever reasons that may be in their lives and circumstances which adds to that resentment i guess yeah but at the same time i feel like the the person who would made it to the industry that they want to they would care enough to do any job that they have like well enough right i i know people that are not in the industry that they want to work at like at the end of it they don't even know like what they want to do they haven't found it they just know that what they are doing right now it's not like that um good for them or what they want to do for the rest of their lives and they still go to work and do their best every day you know i i think the ability to understand that you have to do your best no matter what it's what actually differentiates someone who can make it and someone who will probably not make it no matter like if they find what they want early on or not well, yeah. um it's that, that and, and look you can learn that right i was a lazy asshole in high school <laughs> like i didn't put any effort in right that came along afterwards when i learned that um some people are not lucky to have as many opportunities so you better value that and put real effort in because some people are putting a lot of more effort than you are and they will require will be required to put a lot more effort to achieve what you have nowadays so like stop being ungrateful and get your ass to work and you'll get there <laughs> profound words, so there are man. two sides yeah. there, there are two sides right don't, don't put too much pressure and don't be fast but also like don't be lazy <laughs> i think the the key point over there because both these aspects relate with time it's to not take the time for granted i think that's the most important takeaway for me and first of all i really enjoy the fact that we're talking about all these other aspects that are not generally discussed because it's easy to just talk about the art but i think these are much harder conversations to have which require yes, a lot because of- my art is not that good so <laughs> i'm diverging <laughs> no 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 we'll be coming to that as well definitely <laughs> but no but i really like these conversations as well because especially coming from the fact that you're from a completely different part of the world than me the way we are brought up is different and i guess the perception that we have about life itself may be different based on how we grow up in different parts of the world so it's good that we are able to align on these subjects and think in a positive frame of mind yeah i i think if more people talked about this we would not have as many um depression cases you know or mental health issues not that it's a a thing that you can avoid at all but to understand that like people go through struggles and they still make it like actually it's not that they still make it even though they go through struggles there is no other pathway than struggle to achieve something right yeah if you understand that you are able to deal with that kind of thing um in a better way and you create an environment where you are able to to go through those lower to those um, down phases way less impacted i think like this past year was honestly really really rough on my mental health and i think on a lot of people's mental health and i was able to get past through it via the support structure that i had you know like my friends my family my girlfriend like 
everything, every other aspect of my life was able to support the fact that I was very unhappy and very depressed about my career. And if I was that one dimensional kind of guy that only have that, look, um, maybe that wasn't enough to support like my life. And if that costs me like five years more to achieve my goal, like the fact that I have to be balanced instead of one dimensional, well, then that's the cost that I'm willing to pay. You know, I, I that's an interesting thing that not everyone is able to recognize that cost to return value because that's where I look at the journey that athletes go through, you know, because it's so evident they have to put in those reps inside the gym and then perform on the field. And the moment you achieve the medal or you fail, it's instantaneous, either agony or ecstasy. And it's something that mirrors an artist's journey, but over a long, longer period of time. So I really like to see the way they make those choices. I think there's a lot that can be learned in terms of what kind of effort is required and are you willing to pay that kind of a price to achieve that perfection, yeah. so to speak? everywhere man like the pattern is everywhere i know it sounds kind of like loony to talk about <laughs> this way but it really is um if you look at w one sport that i actually have been following quite a lot these days is bodybuilding right oh, i like okay. to go to the to the gym mm -hmm. and i'm not like in the sport at all but it's something that i like to follow and kind of motivates me and the usually the age that people get uh to be like Mr. Olympia or champions or something it's roughly 30 something years old and they usually those people started like at early 20s or um, 18 or 17 at the gym so their career it's a very good mirror to how I view life because you are starting now to like 15 years from now be able to get there so you you don't have a chance to get there fast and if you don't get a chance to that to get there fast the temptation of trying to like kill yourself in the moment in order to achieve it a little bit faster it's it's not there you know so like you understand um for, for those of you who don't exercise no and i don't know if you do that but not the enough. resting period <laughs> yeah I, I could say this <laughs> but the resting period is as important as the time that you spend on the gym. Actually, like it becomes less productive to be on the gym all the time. You know, what they actually do, it's they have their schedule and they go, they do their workout routine, which like for a professional athlete, it's of course a little bit longer. So it might be like three hours a day of exercise instead of the regular one hour that a common person would do. But then after that, like their coaches, the people that are guiding them, they actually tell them to stop. And if they get back there and try to like do one more rep or one more thing, that's actually detrimental to their goal, touching their goals, you know? Yeah. And because they have to have that balance, it's like they're, I really admire personality of people who achieve something in that field because it's a really tough thing mentally to know that like, okay, now it's time to rest. Right. You want to, you really want to do like you have that inside of you. You want to do your best. You want to keep pushing, but the way that you keep pushing it's by not doing nothing right now, like by doing nothing. Mm. So if you have to go to bed, like in sleep, because in the next day you will be more productive at your job, at your work, or at your professional or personal work or whatever, dude. That's the time when you gotta sleep. You know, like um, 
I don't know about you, but I, if I don't sleep at least six hours in a day, five and a half, six hours, I'm crap the next day. I will not produce a good design. <laughs> That's, that's a paradoxical thing, right? You get better sometimes by not doing the thing that you're supposed to do. And I think for me personally, during my architecture days, there were like a lot of all-nighters spent trying to finish up the drawings and the designs. But over time, I've definitely cut down on that completely. And I try to sleep on reasonable timings. Because same for me, I, I can't function properly the next day if I don't get enough rest, definitely. And yeah, it's a tough thing. I think one thing I've realized over time is that I want to look beyond just concept art as a career and look at what what other fields are there within this industry. Like when you look at directors and cinematographers, those guys work well into their 70s, well into their 80s in some cases. And it takes that long to get to that point like we discussed already. So I don't want to box myself in and just think of myself as a concept artist only. I mean, do you think along those lines as well? Um, I would start with saying that First of all, I think of myself as a concept artist right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, and I don't mind that label. I think for a while it will suit me, but because, um, my, okay. So the way that I was raised, right. Was my parents approached me in a way that, um, you can be whatever it is that you want to, and we will kind of support you, which is in and of itself, it's like a blessing, right? Yeah. There are not many people that can say the same thing. So in front of me, I had like the one pressure of, I have to find what it is that I want to do and whatever it costs, I'll have to find this one thing. So my goal all my life was that. And ever since I was like, I don't know, six or seven, I started to kind of make small decisions of what I wanted to do. So I wanted to be a scientist. I wanted to be a chemistry teacher. I wanted to be a chemical engineer. I wanted to be a electrical engineer a civil engineer and then like a computer scientist and i changed like my mind so many times and every time like really studying what that field did and if like right now i'm saying i'm a concept artist and five years from now i'll come on the same podcast and say like yeah i'm not a concept artist anymore <laughs> it will be possible. just another change yeah. right that i think it's, that shows that you're uh, i think that shows that you're quite curious because you're willing to look at multiple subjects <laughs> to, a, to a fault man i'm curious to a fault because that actually it's a hard balance to be curious about everything and at the same time dedicate enough time to one thing to to actually be decent at it right <laughs> and i i ran my parents out of answers to my questions very early on so i had to kind of find them for myself which was another great thing to to learn how to do i was very much into um sciences when i was a kid right watching like a discovery when i was younger and learning about the world and things around me and it was always with that goal like oh i want to create something Right. I need to like understand how everything works. And which probably made me a very unpopular kid amongst other kids, but <laughs> it, it was a nice thing. I think it it's crucial to this industry to be curious, you know. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most important, if not the most important aspects, I feel. It's, yeah. It's funny, sometimes when I'm having these conversations and I say something, I've I almost wonder what other people are thinking about that because I genuinely don't have much experience in this industry at all. So sometimes I feel like I might be just talking complete nonsense. It'll be funny to look back on these conversations later. 
Well, th that's something that we have in common, right? I feel like uh, because I think we came from other fields mm -hmm. or other career paths, and especially because we are not in the entertainment center of the world, like it's not either London or LA, mm -hmm. we are like outside of this, those hubs. The culture that we came up with, it's um, it's very different. And we we have no idea how it is to be surrounded by entertainment industry, right? Mm. And that that is both good and bad, I think. I think it hurts the, the possibilities, like the opportunities that you get early on because you kind of have to reach a superior level than you would have to if you like had more contacts or uh, were already in there or the opportunities were not as uh, plentiful. But uh, I think the fact that we can see from an outsider perspective is actually what differentiates us from people on the inside, you know? Yeah. It's a, of course, like we think, what they, are they thinking? But I would be up to have this conversation with anyone in the industry. And like, I approach this as, okay, I don't know much, but this is what I know. Mm. Tell me what you know, and then we can like keep going and growing, right? I love that. I love that thought process a lot. I think this is a good time to even talk about um, your early days in Brazil, because that's a completely different culture. Is there a strong entertainment background at all over there? Because if not the industry that we are in, but in India, at least there are pretty big film industries of their own. So it's not like there was no exposure to that side of the world at all. So I'm curious how it is in Brazil. Um, the Brazilian entertainment industry is not that big, right? We have uh, soap operas that are very popular, but that's basically the extent of it. Mm -hmm. The movie industry, it's very small and it's mostly based on some comedies and then like a couple of more serious movies that end up making to like pretty much worldwide famous like um, City of God that's, or yeah. this kind of thing. That's the only one that I yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Like, which it's kind of sad because it's the violent side of Brazil, right? So people tend to create this image. And to be completely honest, it's not like the safest country out there, but also it's not like something that you cannot go out on the street that you'll get robbed, right? It's kind of in between. And then, other than that, it's pretty much non-existent. So our entertainment is very heavily influenced by North America. And what that creates in some people is this idealistic view of what North America is, right? Uh, because they portray their, their own culture in a very idealistic way. So one thing that happens in here very often, it's people like dismiss our own culture and they treat it as if it was not as good as like something that came from the outside. And I think that's a, a really shame about that, you know, because there are some native uh, culture in here that is honestly like amazing, you know, like people that lived in the far, in the jungle and they have this like way of dealing with nature, their own religion and everything that I think we can learn so much from and bring so much value to our entertainment industry that is not there because no one pays attention to that thing, right? If you, I think that, Again, I, the positive part of not being in those hubs is that you can bring something from the outside. So if you're here and the only thing that you are consuming is things that are already on those uh, industries, 
what can you bring from uh, of difference right yeah and i know like my art doesn't represent that at all because i don't use the colorful tones that people tend to use in like the native culture here i, I don't do creatures of mythological beings that would exist here it's all pretty much hard surface but having that knowledge and being able to bring that on on a professional level where you were like tasked with something that's not exactly what you do all the time that will kind of make your design stand out a little bit more and even if it's not like pure translation you know you still have to pretend to the project you still have to be a professional artist but you carry on that um it's something that like jake parker talks about right the creative what's called creative bank account or something like that where you you kind of um put everything that you input from the outside kind of goes there and if you're only inputting from one source like it will be a little eh, kind of bank account but then like if you're inputting from a lot of different sources that not everyone is doing okay and yeah but because of that the fact that it's a culture that is very heavily influenced by the US um, and the entertainment industry is not as strong, it's not actually seen as a career possibility, right? Mm, that, so that's something yeah, that... I, mean, I think you touched upon a couple of interesting points there. First of all... Yeah, I, I uh, tend to talk a lot no, no, and no, no. like go away. No worries, no worries, no worries. <laughs> I just didn't want to lose the thought that I had in my mind. F feel free to interrupt <laughs> me anytime. Man. All right, all right. Um, first of all, like there are obviously so many cultures of the past in South America, very, very well documented, so much that can be inspiring a lot of ideas down the line. And again, that's where the concept of not being part of the hub of the industry comes in because you don't know whether that product will sell well. And it's, I don't even like saying that in that tone where product will sell well or not, because it's like a whole culture of the past. It shouldn't be disrespected in any way at all. Just knowing about that culture is so important, I think. And another thing that I realized when you were talking about the fact that your work doesn't reflect that, I think it's all right because first you need to become part of the industry through some means to be able to have the freedom to then create the ideas that you want to as well. Because without that financial independence, how will you create any idea at all, right? Yeah, that's a good thing that you touched on as well. Uh, the fact that sometimes, look, I understand like whenever I talk with my friends online, it's you, it's Adrian, it's Dom, it's uh, like other people, right? There's always this underlying pressure of the personal project that it's awesome. Like you have your movie that is coming out and Adrian has Severian and Dom had his book Journey to the East. And to be honest with you, I feel like my personal part it's it seems like i'm delaying it right but i just don't feel like i have enough to contribute yet mm -hmm. so i'm still very much on that process of inputting a lot of things and learning a lot of things both on the technical side and on the like cultural side and i think that's when something like this knowledge would come in and some of those influences would come in and the personal work that i've produced so far was it sounds too cold, but it was to get a job, right? It was to stand out some way. It was to, of course, doing what I love, but it, it is a, 
a profession after all, right? It's a job. It's something that it's a career. So maybe those personal influences would come in heavily when you have a personal project. There's this one Brazilian artist that I was watching a talk. Like he talks about sculpture and everything, right? And I think he was talking about Bernini, one of his sculptures. And he was like, the way that he portrays movement and pressure and feeling has way more to do with his knowledge outside of art than what's inside. So if you are a shallow person that doesn't know anything about any other subject and don't explore the world around you, your art will be shallow as well, right? Mm -hmm. And that had a big impact on me because even though it's not there, right? Even though it doesn't need to be physically there, I don't need to draw like a mythological Brazilian creature to represent that kind of... The fact that I can think about a... a um, okay, so applying that to my job, to my work. I, when I look at a vehicle, I don't think only like the shapes of it, but how would people use it? Who are the person using it? What kind of culture? What are the values of this culture? Um, what kind of clothing would this person wear because it interacts with the vehicle? How are they used to value things? What's the, the value structure beneath what you represent, right? Will kind of be, be shown by, um, by your pieces, right? And when he talked about that, like, don't be shallow, to be honest, I felt a, a little bit shallow at that point, right? I was like, damn, am I shallow? Should I be doing that? But um, I think it's a, it's a good approach to be an artist, right? And we have those two facets. We have to be cold enough to like be mindful of what you're doing, to um, not be lazy, to work on things that should be worked on. But we also have the the artistic side otherwise just become an engineer man like you have your task you will like be just goal oriented and focused on making things work and it's an amazing profession and you can also make a lot of money out of it but i don't see the point of being an artist if you cannot bring art into it too right it's interesting that you use the term being cold in your approach because it's almost drilled into artists that you should just focus on the beautiful side of the art. And when you talk about business, nobody ever says you're being a cold businessman if you're just thinking about the economics of that field, right? Again, that's where that having that approach and knowledge about all industries is quite important. So in your personal growth, like what are some of the things that you've been taking inspiration from or reading about to broaden your horizons, mm -hmm. essentially? Uh, I think that in terms of again, analyzing it coldly, <laughs> but in terms of shapes and forms and um, colors, even function to a certain extent, I really like nature. I think that's the ultimate like designer, you know? Um, it has honed down every... It's not to perfection because you still see like things that... But it's as perfect as we can possibly imagine, right? Animals. And I really like sea creatures. I, for a while, I wanted to be a biologist as well. And my mom was a biology teacher. So oh. we kind of had that, um, we were not allowed to be bad in school at, <laughs> in biology, but it was always a something that fascinated me, how uh, creatures worked and everything. I tried some creature design in the past too. So I tend to be 
more inspired by that side of things than the actual engineering. But then like when you have to make things work, you kind of have to look like how engines work, how what aerodynamics um, concepts apply to each kind of vehicle, right? That whole concept of form follows function, mm -hmm. but then I let myself be guided a little bit more by form than I think most people that use that concept let themselves be. But the function has to be like at least a little bit there, right? So we kind of merged those two things together, came up with cool shapes, and then you make it work in a way, right? So as a, as a vehicle designer or let's say hard surface designer, do you also really dive deep into the inner workings of these machines and trying to understand how exactly the engineering behind below the shell actually happens? <laughs> More than I should, I think, <laughs> because sometimes I see designs out there that are like very um, well regarded or like get enough likes, right? That get popular. That I look at it and I think, oh, this will never work. <laughs> but I mean, I've been struggling with that thought a lot, right? Because I used to get caught up in those details too much. And one thing that I think we could add in our industry is the concept, especially for those who talk about farm follows function, is to add that one of those functions is entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to actually make it work. Kind of had to look like, kind of could possibly maybe with a touch here and there could work, but not really. But, you know, that I approach, I try to make it look as if it could work. And if we were to talk about it, right, I have a reason to do everything. But in real life, like if you were to engineer that, yeah, it would have to go through a lot of iterations to make it actually properly work. But again, we are not engineers. engineers. So like in a made-up world, they work perfectly. They're oh, that's an interesting loophole. Lodge. I've never heard anyone put it across that way. That's pretty interesting <laughs> to look at it. Um, yeah, because yeah, design purists, so to speak, will definitely not allow entertainment to become part of the form follows function dictat because they only look at it from a certain perspective, I feel. Yeah, I think it, it's very popular, that kind of view nowadays and something that I don't quite like, you know. I think our purpose is to... Look, I don't want to like joke with anybody. My vehicles are... I think they are cool, but in the whole like great scheme of things, they would just be a support structure of the story, right? It, it's not, uh, they tell a little bit of the story, but they are not the story in and of itself. So they are a tool to communicate something about something greater. And the, the function that they have in that project is the communication. So the function like, okay, so the function is communicate and then inside of the world, it has that actual proper function of how it works, but it is beneath the communication aspect of it. I guess that depends on the property, right? But when you look at something like Tron or Oblivion, then the vehicle design is the story, essentially. Everything revolves around that. Well, I could, <laughs> I could contradict you in there, you know. As an example, let's talk about Oblivion, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you are talking about the movie, okay? Yeah. Okay, okay. So that ship that Daniel Simon designed, which is like, dude, that ship, it's on another level, right? Yeah. It was my desktop background for a long time. It, um, if you look at the process, the first thing that you will notice 
like it seems like it took I, I don't I'm not sure about it so uh, about two years to be designed from beginning to end so there you go which are like two weeks turnaround kind of time okay first of all that's the first point it takes yeah. time to design something that good that's second <laughs> um it, it is incredibly well designed to the function but the story of the movie right i think it goes a little bit um deeper than that and i think that also plays a little bit to the influence of dom and adrian especially Adrian, who likes to talk about storytelling a lot in my life, right? Um, finding those underlying structures of like, the story is actually someone who doesn't know his past that well, who has some objectives, but the way that he doesn't conform to what is presented to him is actually the hero spirit inside of him, right? I think that the ship it's awesome it's great it's cool but it's beneath all of that story structure and even though um those elements play a big big role like the um, artificial intelligence that's kind of look these are filled with spoilers okay so yeah i think it's but too I late mean, to start talking about it yeah if you don't know the movie yet i mean i'm sorry for you but there you go <laughs> uh, the artificial intelligence that is kind of controlling everything and you could like see beneath the surface and that could be other thing you know, that could be another thing. You could do that with creatures as well. And then boom, there you go, your vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. The design is not important anymore. The underlying structure of the story is pretty much the same across the board. And then I still see those vehicles as supportive, even though like the role that they play can be like um, bigger or smaller. Like if you see the Millennium Falcon, right? That ship, it's extremely iconic. The design, it's extremely important to the story but at the same time if you change the design completely and told the same story like from the beginning with other design it would probably work as well as it worked right mm -hmm. you would find ways to to like do those scenes because it's a, a squishy disc right you would find other ways to make it go through like smaller holes or give action to the scene or make it look like they're barely escaping a dangerous situation or like oh my god this piece of crap is fast as hell right you would find ways to do that so i do think that the design especially in entertainment it's secondary to the story but i don't want to diminish its importance mm. right that's, it's, a, that's a good point. It's very important. And if you are a designer, like do your job well, because I want to see good designs out there, but also be aware of what really matters. Talking about Daniel Simon's work a little bit more. I mean, his Cosmic Motors book has been such a big inspiration to me for so many years. And this that book is one of those examples of timeless works. It's so It's been out there for almost a decade, if not more but it still looks as good as it was made as if it was made yesterday it's just sheer brilliance i feel I, I wish i wish i had it man i've been it's been on my um wish list of amazon for like the past 5 years and it's never available <laughs> so <laughs> i don't think like i can i will have to find it on a like actual library actual like physical store because but his work is actually to me it's one of the biggest inspirations mm -hmm. you know and you can see like the function is not um what's it called it's not that explicit 
on his designs. You know, he has a lot of forms that are like you have the cutout shapes, you have the the balance of the form, and you could see it working. But because a lot of things are on the inside mm -hmm. of the structure, right? The the function it's not that um, apparent right away, which I think it's masterfully done. I guess it's a right? great balance of just believable enough in that fantastical world where people think that it'll work, but we don't know if it'll actually be engineered or not. Well, look at Star Wars, man. Right? Do you think those ships would work? I don't think so. Interesting <laughs> to know? think about, yeah. I guess some <laughs> yeah, could, they, some may not. Depends on the aerodynamics of the ship. But they inspire a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Right? They make you think. They, like... They take, uh, I don't know, um, I was, I think, six or seven when Phantom Menace came out. Mm -hmm. And those ships took me away from, from this world, you know. <laughs> I'm very much sure of that. And I hope that nowadays, the kids of nowadays, they see these movies that I don't like quite as much, but they are taken away as well by those ships because, yeah, I think it's, it's the importance of entertainment in society as a whole. It's not the movies themselves. It's not just like making money and everything. It's the story and how it affects people around us, you know, inspire you to be great. And even if you end up not being great, the fact that you were pursuing that, it's already valuable enough. Yeah, because stories will live on far beyond your own lifetime. And if you tell a good story, it will stay for a long time. And that's, that's the goal, right? Yeah. That's actually interesting you bring that up in terms of the newer movies or the younger artists because I was speaking to a student a couple of days or a week back and I was mentioning the original um, Matrix trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy and they mentioned to me that they haven't seen the all the Matrix movies and that was a very big shock to me. But then I had to kind of reorient the time scale as well because it's it may look like a movie that's too far back for them at this point. Yeah, but, I've heard. I think I think you talked about this with Charles, right? Yeah, on the on that right. episode. And yeah, man, those moves are great. I was watching them like I don't know a month ago. <laughs> All of them back again, like back to back. It's awesome, man. And they do have that feeling of well. The first thing that you notice is that the industry changed a lot, right? So yep. those designs, it seemed like um, if you put them on properties nowadays, I think it would be such a blast of innovation that people would find because it's kind of like lost through time, right? They they lose the influence. So it would, it would look like it's something new again. But I agree with one thing that I've heard you guys talking about, which is you kind of have to seek the knowledge of your industry too. So like, if you want to be in this industry and you haven't watched The Matrix, which is something that is impacting a lot of people, that has impacted a lot of people, dude, how do you think that you can contribute with something that's new and fresh if you don't know what were there before? Yeah. Right? It's something that I try to do a lot, actually. Like, I don't have that much uh, knowledge about everything that people that are like older in, the, in this industry know about like the other day i was watching evangelion for the first time Ooh, okay. and i had never watched it before right i don't know if you have but i was watching it because at work it is a big influence on a couple of people at work right and i was like man why is this such a big deal 
<laughs> and it's not like, oh, I don't know it. I'm not a kid anymore. It's a, like an anime. I will not watch it. No, no, it's completely opposite. Why is this so intriguing to them? I haven't watched it. Let's sit my ass down and watch it because even though I'm not drawing at the moment that I'm watching, okay, it's okay to not draw for 10 minutes in your day. You like you take that value and you will look at the designs differently and you'll see the story underneath it and you'll see that like the designs are impactful because they are the physical representation of the story that is being told underneath it. So you attach yourself to, to those images. And then it's impacting like people that are art directors nowadays, people that are producers, people that will take the decisions based on what you deliver to them. So if you understand their mindset behind it, dude, if you have the chance to do that, why wouldn't you? Okay, it's on Netflix, right? If you pay Netflix, why would you watch a bad romantic movie instead of watching something that... No, that, not that, that all sense. romances are bad. Yeah, but. definitely. Of course, they're good romantic movies as well. Again, the aspect of uh, the anime being made in a completely different context in Japan also brings additional value to us from as people who are from different countries because they, again, have different reasons for why they've made those stories and why they are telling those stories. It's a bit um, of a freezing sensation. That like you will never get to know everything that you, you want to about the world, isn't it? Yeah. Like when I was again, when I was a kid, my main goal was like if I had one wish, okay, it would be to know it all. I want to know everything about everything. <laughs> like that, I don't I don't even bother if I can draw at that point, you know. But like the the way that I used to seek knowledge is something that I'm trying to like bring back in me because uh to a certain extent we kind of get comfortable in some habits right so as an example entertainment is something that i'm trying to diminish the, the amount of time that i spend with just mindless entertainment i'm seek, seeking for knowledge about cultures and technology and science and dude it's like feeling as a kid again you know there's so much that you don't know the world out there is fascinating, man. And we have a profession that incentivizes us to uh, seek out that knowledge. Right. Yeah. The other day, I was reading like aviation manuals for work. Oh wow! Right. I mean, I mean, I was not actually doing that for work, but I needed to know a couple of things for work. And then, like, where would I find th- that knowledge? Right. What kind of job would uh, encourage me to seek something that I would never use in real life, but would aggregate to what I can produce. Yeah, that's a big benefit of being in part of this industry because you're constantly learning new things about a variety of things all the time. That's quite fascinating. And I mean, just this conversation that we've had so far, we have not talked about the technical art side of it at all, but yet there are so many things to discuss. And we could go so much deeper. Sorry, into man. Topics. That's a bit of my fault, right? No, no, no. I mean, I completely enjoy this. I mean, I hope the listeners can understand the value in a conversation like this as well. And I'm sure they will. Because... I think it's way more valuable, to be honest. I wouldn't like say... Tech- I, I, I don't know. I find it hard to compare which is more valuable than the other. But I think both are equally important, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I understand your point, but the reason why I consider it more valuable, it's because the technical changes so much. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's why you see people talking about the next big thing, like, oh, now it's 3D, oh, now it's VR, oh, now it's this, now it's that. And there are people still drawing pen and paper that do relevant work. Right. The medium, the technicalities, that everything like that's related to how you present your work, I do think it's less valuable. Although, like, Again, man, I don't want to like um, diminish the value of it. It's just like on the comparative scale, right? What you do, because we are in the design industry, we are not just in the pretty pictures industry. Mm-hmm. So the design is communication, it's everything that you bring to the project, right? At the end of the day, you will probably be hired by the ideas that you present to someone way less than you are hired by the way that you put a stroke down on paper, right? Of course, so, this but is... Learn that uh, but I think this should if, be... If you want to uh, learn to draw... Sorry, sorry. I just... Uh, it shouldn't... It should be said oh, with a caveat that there is a certain threshold that should be maintained first and then. Because I don't want the very younger audience to kind of think about it in a way where only the idea matters and the execution has no merit at all because there is a certain <sighs> threshold that has to be maintained. Yeah, yeah, like quality will speak for itself, right? I think it's a you need to be able to convey your convey your ideas. Like that's a, not a, a questionable thing, I think. As long as your the quality of your work is good, so then you can present your ideas like well and be honest about it, right? You look at your own work and be honest about it. I look at my own work and that's one of the reasons why I don't like to talk about it that way. <laughs> it's th- there are a bunch of things that I would change, you know. Like, of course there is, but like the as long as you are aware of that and that you are improving on the side, then be aware as well that like ideas matter a lot and design matters a lot, because I see a bunch of people that are able to produce good quality images and that don't tell anything right and this will give you the strength to understand and resist the like how things are changing right and be able to make your own choices otherwise you'll just be like following tutorials of what's the next big thing Mm -hmm. always um look man drawing is still relevant you know although all you see is 3d and blender tutorials Drawing is still relevant. So I, I guess... Is it I, gone? Just, is everything 3D now? Talking about that, I'd like to put you on the spot about that very same subject because you obviously do a lot of drawing and you've slowly been over the past couple of months translating some of those ideas into 3D as well. How has that transition and journey been for you? Because I know that you definitely consider drawing to be a stronger skill set of yours as opposed to 3D. Uh, okay, so the first thing is when I started to realize that it was a big of a, sh- a bit of a shock, right? Mm-hmm. I was not um, that much into the industry yet when I started to realize. Look, I spent like I don't know maybe three or four years study only drawing, and then I realized that oh damn, I, I, like everything is three D now. Have I lost all this time? What the hell? So it's kind of comforting to know that drawing is not gone for good, but at the same time. I think I did something that people should, um, it's, it's something to take away, right? You, you use the medium that you are comfortable with to learn other things. So I, 
on those four years, I probably spent like two, two and a half to three years actually learning to draw. And the rest of it was uh, learning how to design. And because drawing was already decent, I was able to iterate on ideas and think about the ideas and the forms and the shapes in drawing form easily. So, because that's actually interesting, right? I did this, I talk about this like all the time, but I did one big project that took me six months to make and all drawings and it had creatures, environments and vehicles and a bunch of different things. And like I sent it to a couple of professionals and they said, say to me like, draw more, <laughs> which was, and it was like as blunt as that, you know, like all, all of this effort working six months for like at least 10 to 12 hours a day on this single project and it's dismissed with like two words. And so I had to like really think about it. what do they mean by draw more, right? So I went back and is the drawing accurate? Yeah, the drawing is good. You know, like it has good line quality. It has good uh, anatomy. It had good uh, perspective. The fundamentals of drawing were there. So what do they mean by draw more? And then I had to break it down and understand that draw when people... I mean, if you look at your work and it passes through those tests, right? If they say draw more and you check your perspective and it's wrong, mm -hmm. that's very clear what they mean, right? Okay. Check the fundamentals. If they pass that test and really check it, like ask them if you need to, like what exactly do you mean by that? But if you know that the fundamentals are sound, what they probably mean is that your designs are not, quite there yet and by drawing more they mean that you need to study the world around you more and learn how to like okay now you know how to put the cube in perspective now learn to make other things other than a cube you know make it interesting and by that point like it was four years in and everyone was making 3d especially in hard surface mm -hmm. so it's like is this lost it was hard for me to face it but at the same time because now i was learning how to design I was slowly transitioning into 3D because it's very frustrating to design something. And at least for me, you know, I cannot speak for everybody, but want to turn it around. And although you are able to do that with drawing, right? It's so much like time uh, consuming, so much more time consuming than if you were just a 3D like mastermind, right? So I'm transitioning very... Mm, slowly but surely to 3d and i think that maybe a year from now a couple of years from now i will be fully into 3d and in an idealistic world i would be able to do like those 100 sketches that i like to do per project and then make the final design entirely in 3d and be at peace with both mediums because i love them both yeah. 3D is awesome, man. Like after you start to learn it, the power that it gives you to actually get in there and design things to like, it's again, man, I'm fascinated about design, right? The medium, it's becoming something that's way more secondary to me. And I know I'm punching this like back a lot, but it's because I'm passionate about it. Like to me, the idea, it's awesome, man. Like I, was, I had to the opportunity to make the Pablo Domingos course, right? I purchased it as soon as it launched. And the way that he designs is mostly in 3D. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that like, I had to face it 
some because of course you you are dealt uh, you have some certain resistance within yourself to the change right even though you are uh, dwelling that resistance with time and understanding that was like the final uh, cut for me like before I was like okay I can do 90% uh, 3D and 10% 2D at the end of the day I can have it painterly but then I saw how easy he could design and change things and bring a high quality design to a finished looking result so fast that I was like okay I'm fully into 3D now let's do this it's another challenge and it also helps that I got a, a job right so it allows me the freedom to explore a lot in my free time so yeah I think one takeaway for me from this uh, aspect that you've talked about is that you took it in a very sequential manner like you had your fundamentals down at a very high level then you focused in really deeply into design and once you had a good grasp on that which is of course a never-ending thing but you had a decent grasp on that then you went into 3d with a very sound perspective in terms of what you need from 3d it's not just about learning the tool but it's more about executing your design that you already have on paper so i think that's a pretty key trajectory in terms of developing the skill sets yeah although i talk a lot about like things that are less um what's called certain as that right uh, i talk about culture and storytelling and things that look a little bit out there and not as rigid the way that i approach my work it's way more rigid right i i like those step by steps i like to always sketch before committing to a design it's i like to think of like about the values how the shapes are working and everything in a rigid manner so i can have that if you have a process that you already know right it's easy to to bring something new into it right it's as if you have a a dish that you like to to make all the time but then you want to make it a little bit more interesting mm -hmm. so you just add different things like every time that you're going to make it add something different to it and then it tastes different but because you have that sound structure beneath it it's the same thing with engineering right every building has a structure beneath it yeah you are grounded right that's why it's called grounded because you are into the ground you know like you're solid as hell before you start to build it up so you mentioned the mental freedom that you had because of the fact that you're working professionally so you have the freedom to explore i want to talk a bit more about that specifically coming from the fact that you're in a country where it's not that bigger design or entertainment industry how has that journey been for you because quite a lot of people are in places in a similar situation right i think a huge sacrifice would be the word if i had to sum it up but um okay so before i was talking about how i like to have health and family and work all in balance right so I think it was a sacrifice not only for me, but for people around me to be supportive of my career. I was very much sure that I wanted to do this. And the entertainment industry here is not only that it's small, right? It's that if I were to be, let's say, a concept artist for a studio here, and I was for a little time, like recently, um, I would have to give away some of the specific knowledge that I have so I would not be able to be only focused on vehicles. Mm. I would not be able to be only focused on like 2D or 3D. It would have to be sort of like a joke, a, what's it called? Generalist? 
generalist, yeah. So the sacrifice that I made was, okay, I want to work for this and I want to work specifically for the international industry. And I had to make like steps towards that. So it's one of the reasons why I started posting things early on as well. Even though they were not good, right? You start to create connections with people out of your country, which is actually the best power of internet, I think. The connection building. Look, man, you are in India, right? Yes. What would be the odds before internet that we would have met? Like zero. <laughs> I'm <Definitely>. sorry, but <laughs> no chance at all. <laughs> and then um, I started to like guide my career towards that. I always post it in like English because it's the common language uh, on the internet. Always guiding towards the American culture, American uh, uh, industry. uh, Was your uh, schooling or early education in English as well? Or is that something that you had to teach yourself? Uh, The way that I learned English, it's like it's in schools, it's mandatory, but you don't actually learn it. Right. You kind of, you have a bit, like you know how to talk uh, my name is andre you know you know that's what you, you learn and then when i in 2012 i started playing league of legends a lot uh-huh. and and then i when i started we didn't have a brazilian server so i had to play in the north american server and people would really emphasize how much they wanted you to get in a voice call with them to like be able to communicate in game so i kind of had to learn how to <laughs> to speak that way and it my english was like now it's bad, but it used to be like really shitty, you know? No, no, and I mean, your English is when not I st- bad at all. I mean, we're perfectly communicating, so there's no... Oh, issue. man, I, I can't even hear myself. I cringe every time that I hear myself talking. <laughs> and then, like, I when I started learning concept art, it was the amount of content that we have in Portuguese, especially back then. Like, right now it's okay, but back then it was basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. And everything was in English. So I could like understand maybe 70% of the videos that I used to watch. And well, I just kept listening to them, even though it was limited, right? Um, I bought How to Draw and How to Render. Those books are are in English. If you don't know a word, Google translate it for you. You know, now you know it. And it was kind of like a side by side thing that I had. I knew that I wanted to to work for the outside world right it was not something that i had a choice with so if you don't have a choice you just do it i I mean that's the kind of effort it takes really because in india for the most part in the major cities it's like you learn in english right from the beginning so it's not like we had to learn it separately so it's i mean it's always fascinating to see in certain countries where you have to put in that much extra effort to even learn the language where the industry is being, where it's like the common language for the industry. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that about India. Well, that makes sense. Like you guys speak very well. So (laughs) it depends on which, which place you are in, in India. There are of course being taught in the native language and as well as English. So depends where you are at. I I wanted to go a bit deeper into the connections aspect of it because that was, of course, a very essential part of it. How did you go about approaching people? Was it intimidating for you at first? I guess I was naive enough to, to not be intimidated ah. because, like, I didn't know, like, how big people were, right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're not aware of the industry and, like, you see someone who draws nicely, you're just like, oh, he's cool. And then, like, afterwards, when you look at the name, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I called that 
like senior artist dude. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but at the same time, I always had a mentality of, I want to grow, right? And that's the the way. So I was never ashamed of asking for help, but I also didn't, like, I was not disrespectful. I was as polite as I knew how to be every time. And if a person did not answer to me, I was not, like, resentful or anything like that. I think you should approach it from a good, good place, you know, like, if they can help me, they will probably because there's no reason not to. And if they are not helping me, there's probably a good reason. And if you have someone that you really admire, right, I think you should reach out to them. And if they don't answer, like, it happens, right? Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I even forget. Like, I look at the message and I forget about it, like, two hours later. And then a month after I look at, oh my God, I never answered to this person, right? <laughs> so, and you feel kind of bad about that, but life is busy and people, especially higher up, they go in the in the food chain. I think the busier they get. So I, I think being naive to a point where you are courageous to reach out, it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. You you have to be able to like and also like listen to their advice. I think one thing that really played a role for me was the fact that every time that a professional would say something to me, I would not hesitate to like um try to understand their point of view and actually listen to them. Like that that project that I told you that took me six months, right? The guy took I think two weeks to answer to me to with the trauma mark kind of thing. And I think it was maybe two days later, I removed everything from my portfolio, oh. every every single piece. And I spent like six months working, stood in my portfolio for uh, like a week and a half or two. And then like th- they told me that I felt bad enough. I, and I I did have some good feedback on that too, you know, positive feedback. But it was not, this person was in a position that I wanted to be in. Like I, I needed to listen to him, you know, I was not uh, proud of, uh, it's prideful, the a word, I don't know. Like, I was not too big on my bridges. No, I was humble enough to, to say, hey, he knows more than I do in this particular thing. It's it's my moment to submit my pride to his, like, opinion and take what I can get and reflect on that because that's a little nugget of knowledge that he's giving away for free and that's invaluable, right? And that's why I also like to help people. And especially if you don't implement what he is telling you, then the whole conversation would be pointless. He would have just given away that nugget of information for no use because if somebody doesn't actually apply that information, then it's a waste for both people, I guess. Which is very weird for me, man. You see all the time people asking for feedback and then you go to their portfolio like two weeks later and the piece remained exactly the same. <laughs> they never applied the feedback. So why are you asking for the, for the feedback in the first place? If you're in a studio and your director gives you feedback and you return to them the same piece, well, you were out there, man. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a funny thing. Weird. It's like... like yeah. So was it after the professional gave you this feedback, was it after that where you laser focused your approach towards hard surface vehicles and props? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, let me check my my timeline on my head here because I think what I did, I was like, yeah, it was like this. In the later period of 2017, I did a course with Mikol Kuz on hard surface design. It was on the CGMA platform. It was actually the only course that I ever taken like with feedback and with a teacher, right? Which kind of was awesome because I could take a lot from it. And I, I got a lot of positive feedback from him in the sense that, oh, I know where it seemed to be focused on this. It seems to be something that you already enjoyed. And this was in the end of 2017. And the project that took six months was in the first six months of 2018. And then like in June or July, I think, it's when I submitted to this other artist. And he told me that I took away the portfolio and I was like, a little bit lost, of course, right? But I knew one thing, I knew, okay, I need to get back on the motivation. And one thing that always motivated me was to draw those spaceships on my sketchbook. So I did a project where every day I would, it was for just like a week or 10 days or something. I would draw like 20 small thumbnails of spaceships. And then on the same day, I would refine it to a finished sketch. And after those 10 days, I got contacted by Disney to do something very similar to those sketches, right? Which it's kind of like a, a story. Like if you want to tell it nicely, you would tell, oh, I had the downfall where like I got rejected by this artist. And then like after two weeks, I got... But that, that was the thing. And then I realized, okay, so people seem to really resonate with this kind of work. So, and I liked doing it and I kept doing them and I asked for, um, I work now at the studio called GadgetBot, right? And the owners of the studio are Robert Simons and Peggy Chung. And at the same time around um, June or I don't know exactly the month, man. It was in the second semester of 2018. They were doing portfolio reviews. Okay. And I submitted one of my designs to be there. And they, it was awesome. And like, I was quiet as hell on the feedback because I, was, I wanted to just listen to everything that they had to say, right? And they gave me a good feedback in one of the designs who's sitting right now at my portfolio still to this day. And... I took the feedback, I applied to it, I came back, they gave me another session of feedback. Oh, wow. Like it was great, man. I don't even know why they did. They were so kind to do it, right? <laughs> and and then I I started to to get more and more into that. I got motivated. And then like at the end of the year I started that actual geek at Disney drawing this kind of th stuff. So in my free time I used to develop those designs. And then I developed another design on the same spaceship. Uh, project and that design got picked by Celsius from Clip Studio Paint to be presented on their website for it, it stood there for a, for a couple of years only but like the fact that people were actually responding to the designs was actually a really boost into like okay this is something that, that seems like I do decently well so it's worthwhile to keep investing in it and people always say to specialize and to to be in a to have something that you are known for. And although I don't think like my end goal will be to just be hard surface designer all the time, always, 
I think it's a good thing to be known for in the beginning and it can help you achieve your goals, if not faster, at least in a timely manner, you know. Well, a lot of information for me to process. Let me. Yeah, I talk too much. No, 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 that's perfectly (laughs) all right. Let me just kind of go a bit deeper into some of the subjects. Um, Firstly, I think the key point was the very fact that you were implementing the feedback and going back to them for more feedback. I think that itself shows to them that you're looking at it from a professional standpoint and you have that mentality that you can take the feedback and rework it you're not getting too attached to whatever design that you're making i think that's the first thing that everyone looks for are you getting too attached to the piece that you're working on i think once that threshold is crossed then you can start kind of going into the professional setup and look i can that's why i emphasize it that much you know like the the piece that i got feedback in like looking at it today is not perfect right i don't think you can actually call something perfect but you can see the videos on their YouTube channel. They took a design that was had a nice idea and was okay-ish. Mm-hmm. And do, they were at that point, I think they were already professionals for like 10 years, you know, or close to that, maybe eight years, something like that. Why in the world would I like I was starting off, I was three years in this journey, right? Mm-hmm. A person, he's he was a professional five years before I decided to put pen on paper to do this. Why would I not take that chance, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. That's what that's what frustrates me the most when I see people um, learning. Right? They are not willing to spend the time on. A, it seems like the, the this thing with speed and my vendetta against speed is exactly that, right? Why are you so in a rush that you cannot go back to a drawing that you already made and make it better? It's Ah, it infuriates me that yeah. people do that, man. Really, that like, subject really bothers you. I think it's it's a valid thing to be bothered about, definitely. Because I think um, there's always this mindset where you just want to learn the feedback and you think you'll implement it in the next piece that you'll make, actually. But then they don't realize that the, that new piece will have its own set of feedbacks. So I think it's important to replicate the feedback on the current piece. And I think even... That's something that I took a while to learn early on when I was still not a professional concept artist. It was just me painting during my architecture days. And I would try showing it to a couple of people on Facebook, but I would never really implement what they said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably a reason why my journey to becoming a professional got delayed a bit more. Look, I'm not saying that I was never guilty of that too, right? That's not the, I'm not a perfect human being. We all do that, but no man i'm sorry to disappoint you i know (laughs) but yeah like especially when it's someone who's a big deal for you right i understand like if you don't take the advice of a random stranger on the internet that's why i don't think asking for feedback randomly is that useful because you don't know where that's coming from Mm. but if you're going to bother to ask for feedback in something like i ask for feedback for to my friends like dom and adrian we we kind of talk about each other's artwork right and it it helped me a lot man especially because they have a different approach to art than i have it would i think it's very different yeah like you they see things differently so they are able to see something wrong with my piece that i haven't seen 
And I was guilty, of course, of not following you all the time. And I'm not saying that you should take everything to the heart, you know, but consider it, like think about it for more than two seconds and, and ask why. How has the journey been in terms of the friendship and collaboration with Dom and Adrian? Because we spoke. It's all a facade. Yeah, I, mean, I hate them. <laughs> you hate them. <laughs> no, but for me, the uh, podcast that you guys have been doing has been a pretty good content to listen to because the kind of topics that you touch upon and the artists that you're bringing on are all from different walks of life. So it's pretty interesting the kind of topics that you go into. But I'm curious to know internally how has that discussion been evolving for the three of you well i i think it was i don't remember the exact timeline but i had one day where i approached adrian i think i answered to one of his messages right on instagram or one of his stories i don't exactly know and we kind of um decided to have a call back then i was having this kind of calls with other friends it's something that I always wanted to do because I miss uh, contact with people, right? I think it's something that it's necessary for life. And that's one of the reasons why I like working at a studio because I miss the interaction. So I always try to reach out to people and have these conversations. And then turns out that Adrian, he it's not very shy to talk. Definitely <laughs> you not. notice on his episode, right? Yeah. He talks like... Not in a negative way. Let me be clear about that, right? He talks no, no. a lot. I think it's, it's his a great passion thing. is quite evident when he talks about his work. Yeah, he puts a lot of emotion mm -hmm. in the way that he talks. So it captivates you. Yeah. And I think Dom, I had, I at that point, I had a call with him like once or twice. And he's a little bit more shy. So I'm kind of in between, I think, where I'm not as uh, quiet as Dom, but not as... And it, there is no, no wrong or right, you know, in this. It's just the way that people approach different things. And one thing that I've learned about when I was trying to not be shy myself is that the thing about communication is that if you get deep enough with someone and open enough with someone, they will open up with you as well in their own way. And everyone has amazing things to tell. So like my goal was to create those connections because I really wanted to, to know those people, you know, and it turns out that some people you really hit it off and some people you don't. So like there are calls that were like once a once time thing, uh, but with them, uh, we created this connection. And I think that once like I was talking with one of them and the other came in the chat and asked if I want to call. So I just invited them. I think I did something similar with you and Adrian, I think, yeah. where like, well, I have one friend and it's great. Now I have two. Why not put them together? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not the only one enjoying the experience. And then, well, we started to have those conversations more often. I get very much infected by the fact that Adrian is so passionate. I, I really love to listen to him. And I also really love to listen to Dom's side of like, be, he seems more serious in a way, right? More, more deep would be a word. And of course, I'm the comic relief. So everyone has his place. And we started to have those conversations more and more and more. And one day, one day we were kind of talking like, hey, it, it would be cool to like, this is so helpful to us. I wonder if it's helpful to other people it's a natural progression i think right mm -hmm. to because 
if you start to like bringing more and more friends at a certain point it's easier and it's natural to think that okay so this is now not only good for me and you but it's good for me and you and every person that i call in seems to be helpful to them as well so it's since it's helpful why not share it right and why not bring it to the world and to be honest like i'm I'm not as focused on the response that people have. I'm kind of like, um, I don't pay too much attention to that. I just want to do that. And it's allowed us to create some connections and meet people that are so very different than us. Yeah. That to me is just fascinating, you know. And the same thing with yours, with your podcast. Like Charles Lim, like to me, he was like one of those figures of Instagram, like, oh my God. His, let me put his work on a wall, right? Because he draws with lines and his drawing is like awesome. So it speaks to me very much. And then like hearing you sit down with him and talking like regularly because you had this deeper connection. It's it's something that humanizes people, something that helps people get to know their favorite artists, uh, to understand the struggles. It's just po positive thing into to bring out in the world especially when i feel like there's not enough of the positive message right yeah that word of humanizing the artist i think is quite important because i mean i can totally see picture someone being quite intimidated looking at the work that you have done dom has done adrian has done because you have such a vast body of work already out there and with the moment these kind of conversations start happening people can relate far easier and far better and I think even the, the three of you together have different personalities, which brings a very interesting flavor to the conversation because each of you are looking at it from a different perspective. So it's quite interesting. And yeah, sometimes yeah. I think if it's not intimidating, you know, seems like we're ganging up on people. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's tackle this together because then we can't resist the podcast. <laughs> but um, I think it's interesting. It doesn't leave too much... Um, well, it has the positive and the negative side, of course, right? As with everything. I think if it's something one-on-one, -on -one, like you have here, you are able to get deeper into a single person's story. Yeah. So like our, our guests, we tend to get deeper in their stories than on our own because we are splitting our time between three of us. But at the same time, it allows the conversation to flow to, to places that we never thought it they would go right exactly yeah. and not that like i'm extremely focused all the time you can see like i jump around a little bit too much but yeah um i think it's a i hope that people are enjoying it you know i'm always happy to hear when when they say like you don't joke too much you joke the right amount on the podcast so i think uh, that's I a mean, fun having heard a couple of your episodes you have a slightly sarcastic humor, which not everyone may get immediately, <laughs> but that's quite cool. Um, yeah, I think yeah. one thing I really noticed, like kind of building on what you were just saying when there are multiple hosts talking about the show, even when there is no guest, you can still produce conversations of your own. I think that's the really interesting part for me. And you've done quite a few episodes like that already where you're talking about various subjects. And I think that's the really interesting thing. Yeah, that makes me wonder, like, do you feel you are constrained by the fact that um, you are singled out in a way, like you were a single person doing it? Mm. Because I, I wonder sometimes how would be an episode 
where you talk about subjects that you've been thinking about. Of course, that have someone to have a conversation with and uh, like kind of keep you on your toes and calling you out on something that you'd said that didn't quite make sense yeah. or actually developing a conversation is easier. But I also would love to see an episode where you talk about something, you know, I think it can be valuable. Yeah, I think to be completely honest and transparent, I don't feel confident enough to do that just yet. I feel like I'm still developing the thoughts that I have. In terms of conversing with people, I think I have a pretty good hold on that to bring out their stories. But I feel like I still need to resolve the ideas I have in my own mind to just make an episode purely about that. I can relate to that feeling of like still developing, you know, it's a it seems like it's a long thing. It's a long journey. Yeah, the self-development thing. So I wanted to talk about a bit more of your professional experience as well, because You just glanced over the fact that Disney contacted you and we just moved past that. I want to talk about that experience a bit more because as somebody just getting into the industry at that point, getting an email from Disney was, will be a pretty big deal for you at that point. How did that change your perspective and what was that feeling like? Well, it was a surprise and a bit random at the time. Like, I can I can tell you the exact moment, you know, I used to go work out uh, in the afternoon and I always left my phone at home okay. because like working out to me, it's sort of like a therapy because you can see like, I'm not a big guy or anything, you know, so people who listen to this might think that I'm, I'm like uh, ripped, but I'm not. It's just some sort of mental therapy, right? Yeah. It's a... So I went out there and when I got back, I had this email on my inbox and it was like saying that he was an art director from Disney. And I was like, this is not true. It's not possible. Like, what the hell? And and then like I went to actually calm myself down. <laughs> I took a shower before even answering it. And it was asking for like a a means to contact and all of that. So I ended up like reaching out and we, uh, I, I don't know if you saw what I worked on, but it was a book, right? I did some illustrations for a book and the illustrations that I did, that's uh, one, things, one thing that I find that it's really interesting about portfolio, right? As I told you, I was doing a spaceship project at the time, mm -hmm. which was basically just sketches. And what I call sketches are probably what people would call drawings because they are a little bit more refined. But the project required drawings, you know? Okay. So it's like, turned out that what he was looking for and what I had produced in the past like week or so matched pretty closely to the quality and uh, the kind of refinement. And the, basically the image was pretty much to the same style. So... Dude, it, to me, in my view, it's kind of like pure luck, like huh. by chance. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I don't think that's luck at all because it's more about being prepared for the opportunity. So you were constantly developing that skill and sure, there's an aspect of luck to it, but it's more than just luck because you had to be ready for that chance as well. Yeah, and like um, I put a lot, of, a lot of effort into making it valuable, like... To, into the project being something cool you know mm. 
Can you, can, can you talk a bit more about what the book itself was? What the project was? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, do you know Artemis Fowl? Oh, yeah. Artemis Fowl, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they recently, recently launched the movie. I think it was straight to um, Disney+. Plus. Okay. I did not work on the movie, but they have a companion book, right? And I did some illustrations for this companion book. It's called Artemis Fowl, How to Be a Leprechaun. Oh, which is i think yeah i think that's the name let me check it <laughs> otherwise like i'm talking nonsense here but so they needed some illustrations for that book and i'm a huge fan of artemis fowl you know like when i was a kid yeah artemis fowl how to be a leprechaun buy it it has my name on it that's awesome <laughs> yeah i remember but, reading the books as well when i was a kid so yeah man um, like it yeah. was honestly a dream project like i was first of all when they contacted me it was already impactful because you kind of don't believe it at first yeah. right you're kind of like oh my god is this a scam is this something yeah. that but then like when things went through and you actually have the experience and it starts to become more confident and then like when you hear the name of the project for the first time oof, that's when it's like nice so I, I really enjoyed that project. Even though the drawings that I, I did for it are not something that you like they're not in my portfolio or anything. Um, the, the work experience was awesome. I remember like I was listening every day to Frank Sinatra and working on the project. And oh, wow. it was on the vibing and on the flow of the drawing. It was great, man. And then like the fact, one thing that I always wanted to have was like be printed or be published right and the fact that i can have a book with my name on it and it's labeled disney oh dude like i talk all the time about how um how not great i think my arts is still yet but that is something that gives you certain like um what, what's it called like confidence Res assurance confidence yeah assurance that like at least we're on the right pathway yeah no i mean i you think know. you're being humble to say that your work is not there yet because it's obviously at a pretty strong professional level when it comes to that core skill that you've developed um of course when you it's it's always that human nature right when you keep on comparing with people who are far ahead of you in the in the journey it's it's human nature to feel like you're not there quite there yet. And I don't think it ever goes away, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I was listening to this talk from Craig Mullins on ArtStation, the learning platform that they have. Mm -hmm. And like, there was this guy asking a question and when I look at it, it was Ben Mauro, right? <laughs> Which is like another big name on the industry. And I was like, oh my God, if if he is asking to Craig, like, yeah, this will never stop being a thing, I think. Yeah, I, but, the way uh, I look at it is always that you're always a student and a teacher because there are always people who are younger than you or less experienced than you that you can teach no matter what you know. And there's obviously no yeah. end to what you can keep learning. Exactly. And I always make sure like one of the reasons why I I like to say like that I see the faults in my drawings is that so also if you're beginning in your journey and you see that your drawings are not quite there yet, Take that feeling in and like 
be be okay with feeling that way you know i talk about this but it's not demoralizing for me it's not something that affects me emotionally it's something that puts pushes me forward like it's almost um as if like you can grasp the ability that you want in your hands but not quite you know like it's almost there man i can feel the taste of it in my mouth but i'm not quite there yet so just going a little bit further and keeping it that way it's i don't know that's one of the reasons why i think people like to learn new things as well it keeps the the job interesting that's quite there yeah i mean that aspect of it being just within reach is quite an important thing because if the goal that you set is way too lofty way too soon it can get demoralizing where you have no idea how to approach it at all so that's a pretty interesting thing that you point out where it should be just within grasp which still requires effort to get there yeah yeah also um i've been talking with josh embodied josh he was on our podcast last time and i've been kind of giving some feedback to him right and i didn't know this before but that's one of the things that while we spoke about his career and his artwork was one thing that was an issue with him like he kind of was stuck because he didn't know how to progress right so when we came over that hurdle and put an actual like close enough goal for him to pursue it seemed like his mind was blown by that right it was like oh now i know what to do like mm. thank you he was like very very thank you <laughs> because he's also very energetic when he talks and uh and the energy that i felt from him dude it was actually extremely inspiring that day i worked like wonders on my job you know because i was feeling the energy that i got from talking with him and actually like seeing that the artistic grow will come because now we have a pet to to walk with to walk through yeah that's that's quite true i mean the more people that you talk to and uh give them your energy and feed off their energy that constant exchange always keeps boosting you and like you mentioned already that's the reason why you like working in a studio setup as well i wanted to dive a bit deeper into that as well just from the beginning did you have to give an art test first of all to join the studio or how was that process like I didn't quite understand the question. Did you have to give an art test? Oh, art test. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, I couldn't quite hear. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm not sure if I... Look, for from the beginning of my career, right? I was only freelancing. Mm. Okay. okay. And I didn't quite like that at all. I, I really felt the need to um, to be... Um, around other people i think that it's something that's very quickly dismissed nowadays that studio life because i think that's what we are talking about right the studio versus the freelance life and when you are starting off the first thing is i think it's faster if you know people and you get into a studio because if you can get an internship or if you can get like if you know someone inside of a studio and you can get a tour there and see the work that they produce and create those connections you will probably advance and have more opportunities faster than if you're alone and getting like any job that they can throw at you 
because that's how I was in the beginning, right? I started getting uh, gigs, very small gigs, like six months after I started studying. And I think that they actually slowed down my my progress because, well, I was focusing on working on them, but because my work was not good back then, right? I was either I was neither producing good work or developing my skills. Mm. So if you can get like that connection, I think it's good. And the freelance life starting out, if you don't know anyone, it's hard. So we will not get, I don't think like it, it would be very hard for you to get those awesome clients without the connections. So the way that it happened to me was I was working all the time, freelance stuff. And thankfully I was able to get a Disney thing, like basically alone, right? Basically freelancing. But then after that, I was hired by a local studio here in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And it was my first in-house experience. Okay. And I fell in love with that, right? It was it was a very small studio, but I made some awesome friends in there. And even though I was sleeping like four to five hours a day, and I was having like four hour and a half commutes every day, Ooh, wow. just to be there. And... To, to be honest, like it sounds crazy, but when you when you had that energy, right? I'm glad that I did that recently, and I'm still young enough to be able to withstand that kind of that kind of day to day. But it was awesome, and I would go to work smiling every single day, you know, even though like I had huge bags under my eyes. But it was like at that stage, uh, you're just happy to get any opportunity. So the moment you get that, you're more than happy to take it on. Uh, yeah exactly and like it was an exciting project it's you were surrounded by people that you would admire i i made friends with like programmers and other artists and people from like the hr department that have nothing to do with art but are cool right that and not only i made friends with them but they made an impact in my life and i felt like i made an impact in their lives and that kind of thing really boosted me to start looking more to other studio jobs and look man i consider myself very lucky but the next thing that happened was i always wanted to work at the get to get bot you know okay. it it was one of my dreams like i don't know if you ever saw how to render the scott robertson book yeah yeah, yeah i have seen it there is a rendering there from robert simons which is one of the owners of GadgetBot. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I submitted my work back then, like way back in 2018 to them to talk about it. Because look, if you can get someone from the studio that you want to work at reviewing your work, like, that's again, I, I don't situation. need to emphasize it even more, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's the ideal situation. And they started posting on Instagram that they needed like... Uh, had to hire a couple of people. And I do think that the fact that they knew me already mm -hmm. played a, a factor in that. But they were kind enough to to hire me as a intern. And I think that one of the things that people make that I think that they should stop doing is like thinking too big of themselves, you know? I went out of a studio where I was a senior artist to get an internship in another studio. And I could not care less about the title. You know, I got my foot, stu my foot stuck in the door. 
I would keep that fitting there <laughs> until I was in. And then, and well, um, it's been a few months now that I'm working with Dan, and I really like. We have to be honest, right? We approach the situation as, um, let's see if this works, right? It's an internship. It's made to see how we work, and then you pr- you always give it your best, no matter what. On the other project. I gave my best. On this project, I'm giving my best. And the best always increases a little bit. Yeah. But but yeah, it was a studio. It was one studio that I really liked and aimed at. And turned out that my personality, I think it matches their personality very well too, you know. Um, and then like we, we get into way back in the beginning of the conversation where I thought talked about how I feel like I'm in the apprenticeship mm-hmm. kind of phase. Yeah. I feel like I just got into that, you know, like now I have a, I work at a studio with people that I actually admire and that I picked by hand to be my mentors, whether they like it or not, I'm learning from them every single day. And not only from Robert and Peggy, but from all artists in the studio, you know, and I don't care if they want me to learn from them. I see their drawings. I look at them, I think about what they're doing. I think about the decisions they're making and I'm learning from them, right? An artist that I like post on social media, I will not just like it. I will look at the piece and really try to see what they're doing. And there are some things that I don't like and there are some things that I like and I will carry on what I like to my own work, you know? Sounds like it's all very intentional, right? But in my head, it's always very lucky. Everything seemed so lucky to me because, look, I was without a, 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 I knew how to draw. I didn't know how to design. And turns out that appeared an opportunity with freaking Disney amongst everything else that you needed to draw but not design because the designs were all there. Okay, how lucky is that? And then a guy that I admire gives me feedback. And two years later, like more than two years later, I get an internship with them. Right. This clearly that shows a, um, how important just talking to the people is. If you were within your small shell and you hadn't made the uh, attempt to get that feedback from the people you admire, that connection would have never been formed. And just because of that connection, that gives you an edge two years down the line. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Don't don't go out thinking that, oh, I have a connection. Give oh, yeah, me a yeah. job now. No, no, that, that's not, not how it works. Definitely you know? not, definitely like not. knowing them and interacting with them like consistently through social media, when an opportunity came that I thought I would be able to contribute with, mm-hmm. okay, then like your time has come. Let's try this out and see if it works. Now you get a chance. You don't get it. You know, you get yeah. a chance to prove yourself. And I really think that that's how it uh, it works in general, you know. I think that the schooling process that I did not have, it accelerates that a little bit because you create those connections and you are there kind of to prove yourself. Because the same thing that happened with my feedback that was like a one-time thing happens, I think, like every week on a school, right? You were on FCD. I don't know how often you guys submit work. Daily. But... Yeah, you see, like, every day you have that same process, man. Yeah. That's why, like, it grows so fast. If I if I had the money, I would probably go to a school, you know. I didn't. My, my school was books, was how to draw and how to render. I was, like, broke as hell. 
I got those books from my parents as a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. And I drew with like Sharpies until my arm started to hurt. That's what happened. And I was lucky. This is another <laughs> point where I was lucky, man. Look, look, it's surrounding my life. Like, oh, you could call that blessing as well. I don't know. I That's why I... It's. I think it's all about manifestation. Like you work towards it. Things essentially work in your favor. It's about the mindset. If you have that positive frame of mind, it somehow tends to work out. And if you're always in a negative mindset, even if everything is aligned for you, ready to go, it will not work out. It's so, almost like you, as if you didn't see the positive things in your life when you yeah. were in the negative mindset, right? Yeah. Um, another guy that played a huge role was Michael Oberschneider is his name. He's oh, yeah. a German concept artist. Love his work. I don't know why, man, but I started drawing like in August or in July 2015. And I think that in August, he made a comment in one of my sketches, mm -hmm. you know, which was ugly as hell. But he pointed out some, some things that were wrong about it. And I got into his profile. He was already working at a big studio. And I was like, oh my God, who's this guy, right? And But the sheer fact that someone that relevant already would pay attention to it, and give me feedback was another opportunity that I have to listen to someone who was higher up than me. Yeah. Right. And actually be humble enough to, I'm not bragging about being humble, by the way. Like, I just think that it's how you should look at life. Uh, don't think of yourself as this great human being yet. Right. You, I, I think that fact that you were willing to become an intern, I think that says a lot because a lot of people, if you have that studio job already, it's hard to give up that position and go back to being an intern. It requires a certain thought process to be able Loved to Loved it. That. I would be an intern any day of the week to a company that I, I like, man. It, what's the difference, you know? Oh, you are an intern? So what? Like, you are surrounded by people that actually do awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you are doing, like, something that impresses them right that that says something man you already have uh, some value to give yeah and look let's not kid ourselves right it's not out of the goodness of everyone's hearts they see value in your work and you should recognize that okay maybe i have value to offer right you're not undervaluing yourself but you are understanding how the how society works in terms of giving opportunities to people and it's not only in our industry Right. I see all the time that the people that get the, that take the chance when they can and prove themselves to someone who's a little bit higher up are the ones who actually grow. And when they grow, they will give opportunities to, to someone who's starting, yeah. and to someone who has the willpower. And the only thing that you actually want to see in someone who's new is not that they are good, it's not that they're amazing, it's the energy and the willpower to do whatever it takes to achieve the goal. Yeah. And I feel that I'm getting too excited. So No, no, that's perfectly good. I mean, that's a very good point that you've touched upon where once you're inside the door, so to speak, it's very important to make sure you give the opportunity to the next person as well and not um, start holding all the opportunities, you know, because it it's very easy to fall into that trap where once you have made it, so to speak, you don't want to share that with anybody else. And I think the best the best artists out there are always giving the opportunity to as many people as they can. And I think that's a very important thing. Yeah, man. I mean, thankfully, we live in a world where 
a lot a lot of people don't live in the same world as we live in uh, i don't i never struggle with uh with health issues that much with i i've had some issues but like in the general scheme of things our lives are actually awesome yeah. like we are probably in the top like one percent of actually awesome lives in the world you know like why would i not share this there are people out there that starve man i never like i never was actually really hungry in my life do you know how blessed that that thing is like the fact that that happens um i think it's one of the good things of actually living here in brazil you know you you it's not a, like I have the contact with this in a day-to-day -day basis, but there are parts of this country that are actually really poor and are actually really people who go through livelihood, livelihood struggles. You know, they struggle to live, they struggle to work. They And when you look at that and you are sitting comfortable in your house, I don't feel the, the urge to be on social media all the time bragging about it i want to like inspire people to to put a lot of effort into both taking the chance that if we were given and when you were there helping out the person who's climbing the ladder after you yeah that's quite true and of course i mean world over there are a variety of problems and it's easy to get overwhelmed by that as well because it's not something that you can directly do anything about but what we can do is to benefit the next artist who's coming after us so that's i think it's yeah i think right. it's being grateful right the important yeah. aspect of it like be grateful and um this is not given to everyone so yeah like you have a huge opportunity in your hands make sure that you are worthy of it so yeah oh these are <laughs> heavy things to think about it's it gets mm, quite deep quite fast right yeah. when you start to talk about these things it does man <laughs> it does and you know at the end of the day it's like we're making an entertainment product and it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be enjoyed but there are a lot of deeper emotions that go into creating that um i don't know if you saw the documentary which sony santa monica had made while they were developing the God of War game. There were a lot of trials and tribulations that went into making the game. A lot of bad... Uh, you mean the first one? No, no, the latest one. The one that came out. Oh, I need to watch that, man. So, I mean, just watching that documentary was quite eye-opening because there were so many ups and downs that everyone had to go through. And eventually, of course, the game was a brilliant game and it ended well. So that's... It requires a lot yeah, of ups and downs to get there. <laughs> You see people talk all the time about the hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's happening all the time, all around us. All the freaking time, man. Everyone goes through that. And with like every project, I'm sure that to get your movie done, you had your own hero's journey, right? You started off like not knowing exactly what to do. You were inept. You went through struggles. Mm -hmm. You took a lot in your head. Like you, you were reaching for something that was big than you. And then out of that comes a bit, a better seed, more prepared <laughs> to tackle the next, the next, uh, hero's journey. Yeah, I still, need to, I so still need to finish this first one. So it's still not, the journey is not done yet, but yeah, of course, like you are just getting better prepared mm -hmm. to, to 
tackle the next challenge, right? Yeah. So I'm curious about your... Then, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, like, we haven't talked about art too much yet, but... <laughs> That's perfectly all right. I mean, we have spoken about art through other aspects of the journey, I think. If anyone listening to this like wants some more art related advice, it's like feel free to reach out because I don't think I can get too deep in, in that while having a conversation. <laughs> so. I think it, it really depends on, you know, I think I was mentioning this to Adrian when we were speaking. When the people who are conversing already have an existing relationship, it's far easier to get into some of these topics as opposed to staying at the base level of art itself. Which is, I mean, you can speak yeah. quite a bit about art by itself, but these kind of topics only start going into conversation once you know the person and you're comfortable enough to essentially talk mm -hmm. about them. Yeah. Also, um, I went through some mental health issues in the past and I used to go through therapy a lot. Mm -hmm. And I learned that talking has a huge benefit to you, you know. So I try to be as open as possible as with everything. Right. Even my insecurities, even like things that people try to hide and seem strong all the time. I think the best thing that you can do is be open because look, it's a trade-off, right? You are you are opening yourself up. So it means that you are taking a risk of exposing yourself too much. And sometimes you don't want that. Yeah. Right. Like you don't want to to um, reach your art director with emotional issues. But like we are having a conversation between friends that turns out that a lot of people will listen to this later, but that's just like, hey, it happens, you know. <laughs> but no, the, I think uh, the beauty of the conversation is that even if nobody would listen to it, I think we would still have the exact same conversation. Exactly. Like you you behave yourself as if no one's listening. Yeah. So like open yourself up, expose yourself to risk because that will make you... Uh, either stronger or a better person or it's all good man yeah absolutely i think i mean my podcast is a fairly tiny podcast it's not that big an audience but whoever does listen to it i hope they are getting some value out of the conversations and yeah, but, but yeah. i think you 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 have the thought that you could bring value to the industry by doing this right it's not just a personal thing so sharing this, I think that as artists, we tend to, in general, have a pretty big ego, you know, if you look at from the outside, because how can you look at the world and say, hey, I can do something that improves this thing. Right? <laughs> so, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I think the fact that you are making your effort to also contribute to this is valuable, man. I, um I'm sure it re resonates with some people out there. I think definitely uh, the me, biggest impact, what I noticed was a lot of people from, a lot of coming up artists from India reached out saying that they were glad somebody from India started a podcast in this concept art field because a lot of the good podcasts that we've been listening to are from much bigger industry hubs. And of course, there's so much that we have learned from that as well. But I think there was a need for a more local concept artist to start something like that as well. Yeah, that's something that we touched upon as well. Like the fact that you are the that in-between step hmm. for people to like, as we were talking before, right? The just within reach goal, it's way more motivating than the like far away goal. 
So maybe they see you and they think like, huh, if with all the respect, but if this guy is doing, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, I want people to look at me and think exactly the same thing, you know, like if it, this joker, like who doesn't keep a straight face for more than an hour, like for more than 10 minutes, can't do it. Why the hell can't I? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's true. Because, I mean, when you look at, again, the people who have been working for 20, 30 years, it's so easy to get just in awe of what they've done over the years, where it just feels like out of reach. So having those intermediary connections is quite good. I think on that yeah, note, man. I want to talk about what your plans for the future are as well. How, how do you want to look at the next five to 10 years in terms of career or just life as a, as a whole, I suppose? Well, um, I think that as life in general, I would rather to, I would rather talk about life in general and career will fit into that because then we can keep touching base on what's real. But here's the thing, the way that I started to aim my life towards it's, I have basically three priorities, right? I have my family, mm -hmm. I have my health and I have my career, my job, my work. And if it's, if it's not contributing to either of these three things, it's not important in my life. So I orient myself and my time towards these three things. And family includes, of course, my girlfriend, right? yeah. which is it's part of my family. So if I'm not doing art, I'm doing the, I'm either enjoying time with my family or I'm exercising or eating something healthy and things like that. And the way that I approach my work and my projects for the future is pretty much the same thing. Okay. The reason why I want to get into 3D is because right now, one of the things that I value about my work is the design aspect. And I feel like I'm being too much constrained by the 2D side of things. Okay. And I want to explore the 3D. So as my work develops, how I see my life five from 10 years now, 10 to 10 years, would be probably like married and having kids and being an amazing designer, but that's too idealistic. So the steps that I want to take towards that would be, okay, how can I improve my relationship right now? I've been with my girlfriend for eight years now. Okay. We all know what, what the next step is, right? I've built a solid relationship with her. That's the girl that I want to marry. This is me of 2021 talking. Maybe in the future, this will change. But as of right now, I want to marry her. And I'm taking chances. I'm taking uh, measures to make sure that my life can support that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Now, this is personal life. Now, health-wise, health what, what do I want to do? The same thing happens you know the same thought process how can i improve it well i lost a bunch of weight due to the covid lockdowns and everything i want to get back in shape i want to like because exercising to me had that awesome effect that it makes you motivated to eat healthy as well so like i go back in the gym like a couple of weeks ago and i'm already eating a lot better right mm -hmm. and that's what i want to do i want to enjoy have a exercise activity that i enjoy some people don't like going to the gym and if you are listening to this, don't feel the pressure to go to the gym. Use it. Don't feel that pressure. That's what I love doing. I love going out there, putting myself under heavy dumbbells and making a lot of struggle to, to get them up. But some people like running. Some people like going a bike ride and everything. 
So a couple of years from now, I'll be ripped, man. Nice. I swear. <laughs> but not like I just want to rip vehicle to keep enjoying. Yeah. <laughs> and then like that's it, you know. Um, I think of those goals, and they will change with time. Mm-hmm. But it's always keeping myself aligned with those objectives in my life, you know. Me, of like 60 years old, maybe maybe more than 60, because I plan to work like until the day I die, you know. That's the basic thing. So I don't plan to be retired. But but I plan to be doing only personal work at a certain point. I plan to have a huge family. I, like some some people nowadays, they say they don't have, they don't want children or not. Mm-hmm. But I know very much from the start I want it. Like it's one of my big goals to be a father, mm-hmm. and and if I can get like a good physical uh, health up until I'm like quite old, that would be great as well. Just because it improves the quality of your life, you know, yeah. it helps every single other aspect of it. And in the meantime, I'm enjoying the ride without too much pressure. But yeah, love that. I love how clear you are in terms of what you want from your life that that allows you to clearly just enjoy the ride and focus and try to get there uh, b- awesome. before we we wrap this up i kind of wanted to that actually leads me to how i found this and maybe it can help people if they know right as i mentioned before i tried i thought that i would try a lot of different things and i was always thinking of what i wanted right but the turning point was some point in college i had like something akin to um, 17 or 18 like hobbies at some point certain points in my life and i was always jumping from one hobby to another and one interest to another and what helped me to actually narrow down to, to what i have today and what's really important was the fact that i started looking at myself the same way that we we look at design feedback you know okay what who am I? But like, not who am I in the sense of, oh, I know who I am. Because if you approach it thinking that you already know who you are, then you don't know shit. You will not really analyze yourself. That's so think about it. Who you are? What are your habits? Why you do the things that you actually do? I always thought that I would not be huge into exercise. When I was a kid, I used to like dismiss and think that everyone who had muscles were stupid. <laughs> because of course, I was a kid and I didn't know better. But when I realized that going to the gym actually makes wonders in my life, I started valuing that more and that came a priority point, right? And then I also realized that I'm not the kind of guy that will uh, work 24-7, I like having a family. I like spending time with my family. Like I always loved having like coffee in the afternoon with the whole family gathered together. There's no point in feeling bad about it. Just understand that that's yourself, why you do that, because it enjoys it, motivates you. Understand why you don't do certain things, right? Understand that like maybe you were not... uh, the ideal version of yourself that you think in your head. But if you understand yourself better, you will be like that one you that's way better than a B version of someone else. There's this um, Brazilian influencer that does a bunch of videos. And one of the things that he talks about, it's there's the best method in the world to achieve something. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot do that, like... Let's say that that would be spending 18 hours a day doing art, okay? 
but it's best the best thing that you can do is the second best method in the world that you can actually keep consistent than trying to do the the best method in the world and failing uh, that's brilliant. So like, yeah. I found my best method, which is not 18 hours a day, which is balancing things and still working my ass off and having focus, yeah. but understanding what's important to me and going towards that. that so, 10 hours a day consistently is far more valuable than 18 hours a day for a very short period of time. And if 10 hours a day is too much for someone out there, right? Who, who am I to tell you? Find what what fits you and do that and if it takes more time than it does but then you'll have a, high, a life that you are actually proud of well good way to close this conversation man oh that we that was like a pretty interesting conversation we touched upon a lot of variety of topics yeah i, I i'm sorry i diverged too much but it's nah, that was great i know it's called convergence podcast and i diverged too much <laughs> I think you conversed on a good quality of life. That's what matters. Yeah, man. Um, I think it's important, you know. People dismiss that too quickly. And not everyone can be... I was listening to Picasso's uh, routine, right? It seemed like he was working basically all the time. And he did not have any friends. And having a relationship with him was hard as hell. Mm -hmm. And that's not the life that I want, you know. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry, society. I won't have kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as you know what you want and or at least yeah. rather trying to figure out what you want to the best of your abilities. That's what is important. And there is no expiration date, you know. Um, let me ask you something. Are we still recording? Is yeah. this something that is... We're still recording. I think we okay. can go for another 10 minutes. Uh, I'll wrap up. Uh, Okay, okay. That's great. Because it's also something that's good for people to know. There's no expiration date in that kind of self-evaluating your objectives, right? Mm -hmm. It's... There, I know people that are early in their 30s and they're still doing that. And we always have that Wota example. Wota, Wota. I don't... Richard Wota or something. Yeah, Wota Richard. Yeah. He started like when he was, I think, 37, right? And he still made a huge impact in the art world. Mm -hmm. And he vanished. Yeah. So it's like, you can't change your path. So keep evaluating, keep knowing if you're... I feel like I'm just spilling out a bunch of rules for people to ignore afterwards. But take that feedback out in your face. And yeah. No, I think it's valuable, valuable insights because we always, um, let's say, want to follow the, let's say, talismanic artist who's constantly just working on the craft. It's easy to get enamored by that style of life without realizing the negative connotations that come with that life and having a balanced you, perspective right? is quite important so yeah it will cost you i had to almost ruin my relationship in order to understand how valuable it was for me mm -hmm. but not ruin in a sense that like i was doing bad things it's just like not paying attention to to it you know yeah. because i was too focused on art so like there's no point man um, if you, I, I want to, to be great at all of those objectives. So well, it takes time yeah, as well. It takes time and <laughs> hope we all get there. Well, Andre, thank you so much for your time. This was a pretty fascinating conversation, quite different from what I've had earlier. And I really enjoyed it quite a bit. 
I hope appreciate you it, man. I feel like I talked way too much, but I hope that people enjoyed it, and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Absolutely. It was, yes. it was quite a therapy session. <laughs> well, I mean, you're the guest, so you're the one who's supposed to share the stories. So I'm glad. It's, I'm it's glad great, you're man. All right, dude. Take care, and we'll catch up soon. Bye -bye. Yeah, man. Bye.